But I am so thankful that they were willing to do that this morning. I'm so thankful that on a, on a Friday, the fifth fr- or the Friday, man, I'm still like on Friday night, I'm ready for some football. I don't know. Um, but I'm so thankful that on the fifth Sunday months of, that we have five Sundays, we're going to be doing family services where our young people will be helping out and we're going to just watch what God does as we become a unified through generations. But we're excited that you're here with us this morning. Uh, if you haven't been with us, uh, this is our final week of our series called Good, Deciphering What is Good and Holy. And it's been a journey. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about what is good and what God calls good. Because we live in a world where good is classified by what makes us happy. But there's got to be something a little bit more to that when we really dig down into it. And then last week, we talked about what is holy and how God has called things holy and, and set things up for his purpose. But this week, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what those two combined together, applied in our lives can do. You see, I want to bring to you the terms holiness, the church of God, Pentecostal movement, we have churches all over that know the term holiness. But what holiness in the Old Testament, in the most common form, meant to truly define what was either cut or separated apart from the things around it. You think about it, God called a lot of things holy, or he brought it into holiness because he said, I want to make it different and, and completely contrary to what the world is, to make people take notice of who I am. But I also think it's interesting that God would call a day called the Sabbath and make it holy which is the seventh day of the week. Today, we celebrate that as today as we come together and as we want to honor him and learn more about our our God, our creator. And it's an impact for it. But we also are looking for God for his goodness and his mercies. And that's one of the things that we struggle with. Because goodness, as as Webster's Dictionary would uh, define it as, is a quality or state of being of good. But what is good? And that's the definition that we find in, 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 in this struggle in it. Because in my household, I'm considered a good father if I bring food to the table. In my household, I'm considered a great husband if I give my wife what she wants. Because they, the good old saying, happy wife, happy life. Amen. Amen. Men, it's time. But anyway, I'm considered good because I give people what they want. But that's not God's definition of it. God's definition of what is good is whatever he classifies as good. We live in a world that classifies goodness as being what I want to be, being who I want to be, being whatever I want and doing whatever I want, and that makes my life good. But there's a contradiction when they come into the church. And they hear a message that's different than what they'd want. Because God is trying to tell us something. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to have his holiness. This separation from the world. I love the scripture where it says we are a peculiar people. We are a holy nation. We are his own possession. 
That means we are set apart for his purposes. But we struggle to get to the diagonal of, of, of where he's trying to get us to go to. And last week, we looked at the scripture out of Romans chapter 7, verse 10 through 12. Yetta, if you'll put that up for me this morning. And in it, it says, The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin seized an opportunity through the commandment. It deceived me and through it killed me so that so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and the righteous is good. Young people, I want you to listen to me real quick. This right here is life. This right here is truth. This right here is God's living word that's holy and set apart to give us reproof and confidence that he is truly God. But it is through this that when we allow it to be the examination according to what Paul wrote to the Roman church, it brings something within us that makes us real, realize that we are wrong. That, that makes us realize that there's death within us. It makes us realize that, that, that we have to have some kind of hope that's beyond our own hands and feet. And in that, Paul declares... That the commandments, the word of God, are holy, and they're good, and they're righteous. But the church struggles to still hold on to it. I, I, I talk to pastors of different denominations, and I hear them going, what do we do about the new movement within the world? Where, where the young people want to go and tell you how they want to define themselves. They want to say, I want to be called his and her. Or, or I want to be called them or they. And these different pronouns in this world. And they don't make sense. And a lot of it is tied because we still think that God is telling the world to be good. Be good. I'm sorry. I, I've been scouring through my, my, my different resources. I've been scouring through the word. And I've been praying and got, asking God, God, when is it that you told the world, told your church to just be, merely be good? And you know what I found? Nowhere in all of his word and all of his prophets and through all of his, his self-proclaiming did he tell the church to merely, simply, just live a life that is good? But that's the struggle that the church keeps going through. I want to be good enough to get to heaven. I want to be good enough so that when people see me at church, they don't talk about me. I want to be good enough just to get through the simple day-to-day -day life. I want to be good enough at work so I get a paycheck. I want to be good enough to my wife or my husband so that, that, that they won't be mad at me. I want to be a good father or a good mother to my kids so that they'll look at me and want to come back. But the struggle that it seems like the enemy keeps rooting himself into our lives with is that same mentality. Is good bad? No. Being good is not bad. But it's not enough to what God is really truly getting you to understand. You see, God doesn't want you to merely just go, I have an issue, let me go to WebMD and figure out what my sin issue is, and it tells me what it is. 
You see, we have a loving God that loves you enough and cares for you, and he keeps coming to you and spending time with you. I mean, if you think about it, we came into this place. What was our expectation? Was it just to hear the kids sing a good song? Was it just to hear the pastor preach a good message? I'm sorry, I didn't come in here for any of that stuff. I came in here because I want to have his presence with me. I want to feel him. I want to know who he is. I want to feel his goodness. I want to see his good, mighty hand working on every single one of us. And he's doing that. And if we come into that place, then we can hear him tell us what we're supposed to be. Peter wrote about it. Paul wrote about it. The Old Testament prophets wrote about it. Even Moses wrote about it. When God was telling his people, hey, if you want to have a good and blessed life, be holy. Be holy. Have holiness. Be that. But there's been a struggle throughout the church's age of trying to figure out what that means. And I've been studying it for months as I prepared for this message. As God has been stirring something so deep within me to answer this finite question. And a lot of the times we think that our our, our examples should always be whatever people want. Whatever people desire. But what 1 Peter 1 and 15 through 19 tells us. It says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct as it is written. You shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially accordingly to each one's own deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your frugal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the lamb without a blemish or spot. You see, what Peter's trying to highlight is, he wants you to be holy. He wants you to be connected to him. But what does it mean? It means living your life separated and, and, and tied to him and him alone. But we struggle still day to day because so often our lives are connected with the here and the now. So often our lives are so connected with with the good things. You see, what God is trying to get us to understand is that if he's a good God, he's going to give us the great mighty gifts. He's going to give us the blessings. But there's got to be something from us that we surrender. When, when God looked at the whole creation, he called it good. When he finished all of the world and he was resting on the Sabbath day, he looked at it all and said it was good. Even knowing that there was going to be bad. When God looked in the natural realm of nature, God still says it is good. Good is in the nature of which God is. One of the things that you really have to understand That if we serve a good God, he's got to be truly good and not evil. We live in a world that still tries to equate God as evil. Can I say that again? There's questions. If God is so good, then why does he let the floods happen? If God is so good, why is there cancer? 
If God is so good, why do good people go to hell? If God is so good, why does he let all of the wickedness and the violence occur in the world? And the answer to that is, God is the the definition of what good is. But what happened in the garden was evil came in. And when evil came in and the good God was still there, he still set a way to save the creation. And that way is through his son. And that way is through the blood of Jesus. And that way is the promise that even though that the sin nature that's within us, is, it, which was brought to us by our forefathers and the generational curses that can come through it, can be solved by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. But it also means that there's something else beyond it. I'm not trying to tell you your works will ever save you because that is completely false and untrue. It is by grace that we are given this new life. It is by grace we are saved. It is by grace that we've been inherited to his, his, his household where we are adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. It is by grace that God allows us to be redeemed. But what is it that when we become a person in a family that makes us change? And it is the fact that he loves us so much that we want to be like him. That's what holiness is. But what we have are generations that are struggling to understand what each one is. You see, we have a generation that's coming up in the church that reminds me so much of this little red cup. And what I'm trying to say is, we are vessels of his grace and mercy. We are containers of his goodness. We are containers of his truth and his wonders. We are containers of his spirit. But we have generations that are coming up in the church that are like this. Little red solo cup. Oh, how you fill me up and let's go have a party. We come into a place where we want God, and, but we don't realize that this thing cannot handle heat. This thing cannot handle anything but a cold beverage that might satisfy for us for just a simple moment. Let me tell you, we have these in my household because my wife loves to have clean dishes. She doesn't always trust the dishwasher. But this is great for a one-time use. Young people, I want you to understand, we don't serve a God that's a one-time, one-off use. Where we could just throw him away and think that he's only going to be there for a short term. No. We have a God that's hot. We have a God that's going to put us through some mighty fires and it's going to test us. And these kind of faith is worthless and garbage because the second something he comes into it, it hurts your hand. It makes you want to toss it around. It makes you never want to come to God anymore. We gotta get beyond our faith where when he's calling us to be holy, that we gotta get beyond the red solo cup. We have to get beyond it because it's not gonna be enough to sustain you any longer. It's not gonna be enough to hold him and see him and his goodness and see what he's trying to do within you. Because what he's trying to call you is holy. And the only thing that when the heat hits that, that's going to make that happen, is it's going to get a hole in it that's never going to hold anything of God's value in your life. And what I'm trying to really get at is, 
We need the generations to realize it's never enough to think that it's just a party. We cannot come into church and think it's all about fun and games. We can't come into church and think that we're going to be satisfied because we're in here for a hot minute. Hot minute. We have to come into this place and realize that if we have a good and loving Father, He wants to give us even greater treasures. And not just merely just to enjoy life, to have the good life. But then we also have another generation of people that come in this church. And they're like this styrofoam coffee cup. You see, they can come into the church and they can get some hot liquid in here and satisfied for a minute. They can do all these wonderful things. They, they can come in and, and God can pour in some blessings of his favor, kind of give you a little pick-me-up to wake you up and, 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 and to make you feel like you're, you're getting the spiritual goodness in your life. And you drink it. But this kind of cup is so similar to this cup. This one can't do anything because it's red and it can only handle the cold liquids. This one can handle hot and cold. But once again, what good is this cup? What good is it? Because all this cup is good for is a one or two times of filling and then it's worthless. I told you, I came into the church not to get anything from me. Come on. Good work. I didn't come into this place to get anything from me. I've not ever wanted to come into the church even before I ever had a title pastor, even before I started serving in his kingdom, even before I started doing anything. What I started coming into the church for was to see him move and move exceedingly and abundantly beyond my wildest dreams. Most of you have heard my testimony. Most of you have not, or some of you have not. I was a drinker. I was in drugs. I was smoking two packs a day of cigarettes. And I came into church and I asked God to remove anything that was wicked within me. And what I saw my God do was some miraculous stuff. It didn't happen in an instant. First, he started cleaning out my lips because I couldn't talk like a sailor anymore. Then he started taking away the desire for the drugs, and I was like, okay. And then he started taking away the desire for the alcohol. And then he took away the cigarettes that I thought was a crutch and a chain that held me back. Let me tell you, what God is trying to do is he's trying to say, I want you to be holy. And the church still doesn't understand what that means. Holy. The kids would, if I asked you guys, what does holy mean? You probably would laugh. Oh, it means to have a hole in it and it leaks out everywhere, right? I mean, my three-year-old says it. Sometimes my 14-year-old will say it. But it's just the way the brain works. And we keep struggling to understand what God is really calling the church to be. Holy. Holy. I mean, we sing the song, Holy Forever. We, we want to sing His holy name, Holy. We sing the wonderful songs about how good God is, but we don't really understand what we're singing. And what I keep going back to 
is we got to get deeper in our faith. Deeper. I think of that red cup. Most of the time when I went to a cookout or anything, my red cup lasted one drink and then I lost it. That red cup lasted me a, a real quick second. It replenished me for a second, but then I couldn't remember what I did with it. The styrofoam cups is a similar thing. If you ever come into the church during the normal hour, or like when nobody's here during the week, when I'm in here working, doing small little things, I'll get a, a styrofoam cup, start walking around, and guess what happens? Sister Mitchell will find a, a coffee cup half full just sitting around because I misplaced it. My wife's going, why is there so many coffee cups in here? Well, I made one cup, and then I forgot what I did with it. And then she goes, why did you make so many coffee cups? And I said, well, I couldn't find it. And, she's, and it's just one of those things that I keep seeing the church doing over and over again. We keep coming in, getting a little fill and pick-me-up. And then we forget about it when we go home and we start going back in the daily life and then we think, okay, i got to go back again. We don't have a God that wants you to keep coming back again over and over again because you forgot who He is. He is good. He is mighty. He is the awesome and, and wonderful. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is always going to be and is always never going to change. But we've got to remember that when we get going. Because only then can we truly understand what holy is. I don't think some of you get it. Until you understand that holy can ever, or can, can only, holy things can happen when God is close to them and in their presence, and when they're designed for his purpose, will he ever call you holy? You cannot be holy apart from God. You can't be holy if you weren't designed for a particular purpose within it. Last week I told you, he made a showbread table holy because it had a peculiar purpose. He made the Ark of the Covenant holy because he dwelt among them. He made the tent of meeting holy because he was dwelling among his people. He made his people, all of Israel, holy because they were supposed to be the bearers of his name to be called according to his own. And he's looking at the church saying, I want you to be the same thing. But how often are we spending our time with him? How often are we connected with him? You see, the average attendance of a church, it's been dwindling on Sundays. But there are statistics that say the people that come on Sundays, about 10% of them don't even open their word the rest of the week. The, the average people that actually pray is a little higher. It's about 15%. Can I say the people that are in trauma and struggle have a higher prayer rate than the people that have actually said, I want to be called God's children and I want to serve him and do all these wonderful things. They have a higher prayer rate because what they're dealing with is a struggle and a hurt and they're crying out to God. But we are getting into a place where we're getting so content in his goodnesses that we don't cry out for him. There's a pattern of repetitiveness that has happened throughout the Old Testament, throughout the whole entire church history. They get hot for God and then get cold for God. 
And what happens is when they're hot for God, they're seeing his blessings. But when they get cold for God, then they have to get woke up again and get told it's time to get some fresh hot coffee in your life of what who I am and get it into you to where you're still more awake. There's a reason that I have to get up every single morning and say, God, I'm a mess. Help me today to get through this day. Help me to deal with my five daughters before I get going. Help me to love my wife endlessly and abundantly more than I ever understood to do it. God, help me to love the crazy people I encounter. Help me not to get a little fleshly with some people. And there's a reason for that. Because I wake up with the the, the dissatisfaction with my own self. And I said, God, I need you to make me different. I want to be like the ground that Moses got told to take his shoes off, that it was holy because you were dwelling there as a burning bush. God, I want to wake up where people can feel your presence, not that there's an entitlement within me, but that I could be what you called me to be, to be a beacon of truth. You see, young people... You don't realize it yet. You're still learning who God is. And we, we are going to keep praying over you. We're going to keep loving on you and showing you who God is and how he's lived through our lives. Because by the word of our testimony, there is freedom. You don't realize there's a lot of generations in this church that have had freedom that would be wonderfully in, in preparation to give you the hope that you might be looking for. There have been people in this church that have been through depression. There's been people in this church that's been dealt with grief. There's been people in this church that have dealt with drugs and alcohol and seen God's mighty hand on it. And what God is trying to tell me, to tell you, what holy is, is this, a picture There's a reason there's a pitcher on the bulletins this week. It's full of water all around and it's it's subdued in the image. But this is what holy is. Because the whole image of what God is trying to get us to awaken up to is we're vessels. Vessels, what is that supposed to mean? Come on, Pastor Stephen, why am I a vessel? Because you were never meant for you. We weren't to exalt ourselves. We weren't meant to exalt each other. We weren't meant to exalt this building. We weren't meant to do any of those things. What we were meant to be is uh, nothing but this. I know I got some little blank stares hitting me here. I know you guys are trying to go, okay, what is this supposed to mean? Let me tell you what a picture is. Trust me, I wish I had a glass one. It would make it look a little bit more crystal clear. Got what you get, right? But how much is that true with what God gets? God got me. A young pastor that didn't grow up in a church home that got bribed to church from his grandparents by sending me to McDonald's afterwards, God got me. Let me tell you, God's got you. He wants you. 
He doesn't care the mess you're dealing with. He doesn't care all the struggles that you've been going through. He doesn't care how inept and in- incompatible with what you think God is asking you to do you think, uh, that, he, uh, that it seems like. God's got you. You see, I, I want you to realize something. I've seen a lot of these game shows where they do the challenges where they try to fill this up and try to get something poured into, and it takes forever with this kind of vessel, with this kind of container. But when you've got a pitcher, let me tell you, there's more power in a pitcher. Better yet, you ready for this one, Julia? This is for you and you alone. That can do nothing else but to satisfy your desires. It's the same as the styrofoam cup. This thing can only satisfy me because nobody wants to drink after, after me. But what this does, it lets me pour into the other cups and start satisfying the other vessels. It starts letting me do nothing to do but what God designed me to do. Pour into others, yes, sister day. Pour into others. What holy is. We always equated it to the external view that I'm righteous and I'm good because I, I dressed a certain way. We always related it to the other thing. But holiness has never been an exterior thing. Yes, it shows up through the exterior, but it's always been the internal thing. It's always been what God is doing on the inside. Let me tell you, I was a wretched mess, but what God did on the inside set me free and set me on a path that can allow me to proclaim his name even higher. It allows me to get excited when I think about the time that I get to get up to heaven and I get to start shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. When I get to get up there and say, God, you're worthy of it all. You see, what holy is is when we realize we're nothing but a container. But the question that I have to ask the church today, the thing that we have to really get ourselves to be unaware of is, what are we carrying? I told you, so many of the church want to carry around a short-term gospel. So many in the church want to think that I'm good because I'm satisfied right now for a cup that I got right now. But what I have discovered in my life through my faith is the more I pour out, the more he puts in. The more I pour out of what he's telling me to do, the more he keeps giving me more. And sometimes my vessel gets bigger and bigger and can handle more and more because of what he's doing. You see, what he's calling you to be is holy. And what holy means is that you're spending time with him and you're being his vessel. All we're called to be is his vessel and let his goodnesses and his mercies that we're seeing and spending time with them on change us and allow it to be pouring out in the others. No, I'm not trying to tell you you have to dress a certain way. No, I'm not telling you you have to come in here and act a certain way. Lord knows I want the people that are not wanted in every other church to come into this place so that we can pour out into them. Because that's what God is trying to say. It's time to start leading people to the holiness of what God is because of that's what we are designed for. But that's what we're designed for.
that's what you are designed for. A peculiar people, a holy nation, a people for his own possession to go and to proclaim in all of the world and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, doing all these wonderful things. You don't realize it. But God has a purpose for every single one of us, and that has always been to be his carriers. And that includes the mighty awesome power of his Holy Spirit within us. Because God is not setting you forward on your own. God's not getting you in here thinking that you can come in here with a muddy vessel and pour it out to people and give them a nasty sickness. See, that's what his Holy Spirit's doing within us. That's how he makes us holy. Because what he's doing is he's convicting us and dealing with the issues that are within us and trying to say, I want you to be different. That's what happens when we spend time with God. He makes us want to be different. Makes us want to be more like his son who was willing to go to the cross for each and every one of our sins. Who was willing to pay it all. He was willing to spend 33 years on this world with a whole bunch of horrible people. But he did it because he loved us. He was willing to show us what we were truly meant to be. And holy is the container. But I have to ask, what are you willing to do? What is it that you're willing to hold on to? If you'll stand with me this morning. I played a video this morning that talked about how God called you to be different things. And sometimes I need to let people know what God is trying to tell me to tell you this morning. When you desire to be the, the, the container that God's giving you to be, it means you do not forsake the things he's already called holy. It means you do not desire to, to take it for yourself. And what God's called holy is your heart. All of your heart. He wants it. He wants it and he desires it because he's good and he wants to show you his goodness and his mercy. That's why Proverbs 3 and 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. But God also wants your time. God set time into place for a holy a meeting just as today so that you would hear this message. God also wants you to use your abilities. Your talents. God also wants you to give Him and use your, your treasures the things you hold the most valuable in your life to honor him and all that you are doing. But can I tell you the last thing he wants? God called you holy and he wants you to be honored or uh, wants you to honor him because your temple is his dwelling place. I know yet I threw it all over the place. Can I let you take that in for a second? God wants to make you holy. And the only way he can make you holy is when he allows you to become his temple and his resting place. And that's where it comes to this moment right now. What container are you willing to be? Do you want to be a red solo cup and think that it's all about the party? Or do you want to just get a a little pick-me-up here and there like a styrofoam cup? Or do you want to be his vessel and, and his container of his mercies and goodness? Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I don't know what you've been dealing with this week. I don't know what you've been through in your life.
But if you've never uh, or surrendered your life fully to him and you say, I want to be his vessel and I want to see him use me and you want him to be the Lord of your life, just raise your hand this morning. Is there anybody in the house? One, two, all over the room. Okay. Is there anybody else this morning? If that's you on the live stream this morning, let me know through a, t- a chat or a or text message. Is there anybody? What we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer real quick. And these words mean absolutely nothing unless you really desire to be that vessel. So if you'll pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me your temple that you can make me your vessel because of your grace, Lord. Because of your son who died on the cross and was raised from the dead to purchase my salvation and to give me new life. Lord, today, I surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for those? Now I want to ask another serious question. What have you been holding back from God? What has it been that you've been holding back from God that would honor Him in all of your life? Not just parts. Not just coming in and doing the whimsical little magic show. Not just coming in and thinking you could get a little bit of God and that'd be enough. He wants all of it. He deserves all of it. So can I challenge you this week, before you leave this place, that you set your mind to honor Him, to let your vessel be full of everything that you want to give back to Him and pour it out to Him. To give it to Him. To honor Him like He's worthy of. So let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you were a holy God and a God that wants his possessions fully and sold out for him. So God, today, I ask that you touch every single person that hears this prayer. To say, God, I'm not satisfied any longer, but God, make me your vessel of mercy and goodness, Lord, as I surrender all of my life to you. As I give it all back to you, God, because you're worthy. As I pour it all out to see you and you alone be exalted. God, we praise you for this place, Lord. I thank you for every person here this morning. And God, I thank you for those salvations this morning. God, those are some some mighty testimonies that are going to get ready to get fired up, Lord, for you. So God, I ask that you just keep moving upon them, Lord. Touching them. Touching all of us, Lord. As we walk through this journey and this life, Lord, let us just remember, we wake up to you, we go to bed for you, we give it all to you, God. Lord, we surrender it all because you're worthy. Lord, I ask that you to touch each and every one of them as they leave this building, Lord, to keep them safe until we get to come back together again, Lord, as long as you tarry. Lord, we praise you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, I love you all. I look forward to seeing you again next week. It's awesome to see some visitors this morning. But go and go love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and go love your neighbor as yourself.